We are all worthy, strong, and committed, and we are ready to go beyond our own limitations. Welcome back, my friends and loved ones, to the Rebel Minded Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my co-host, Thor, of course, and I'm here as a friend, a creator, a powerlifter, and a provocateur. And we are here to learn to question the one thing that keeps us from our best, ourselves. Join me as we dive deep to question and strengthen our communication and our vulnerability, create a healthier mind to commit to our goals, and how to give more to our lovers and the world. We're going to face the uncomfortable truths of what it means to be authentically and uniquely flawed, but awesome humans. So, let's get rebel-minded. Also, I'll bring in stories of all things powerlifting, Thor shenanigans, and probably some embarrassing mishaps. Let's do this. How, how the fuck are you today? <laughs> I know how I am. Uh, rough mental day. Rough mental day. I hope you guys had an amazing week. And I don't mean that just like by if it was full of happiness and everything was awesome and it went easy. I mean, this week I mean like if you got through some shit. I think our biggest problem most of the time is just not facing the shit. And last week, I have something that kind of got burned in my mind uh, from this talk um, that Tom Billy was doing with the lady. And she said 90% of the process is, is the grunt work. It's the stuff you don't like. And I think that goes with all of the the mental struggle too i mean maybe that's all of what it is is like that mental struggle of getting yourself to act and getting over your bullshit and being mature and knowing what you have to do and not procrastinating because my biggest issue is probably procrastinating and being afraid of not having an answer for the future you know this podcast means something to me but because i'm not sure what it's supposed to be sometimes I get upset. I get angry. I get doubtful. I get, I feel pain, you know? And then I have conversations with people and then I do the work and it's not so bad anymore. And the thing that I think is really important for everybody out there is to know that so, so many times it fucking sucks. You know, whatever this American dream is, get rid of it. Get fucking rid of it. Because it's so, it's so fake, you know? It, it's so far beyond what reality is, you know? Social media and the internet have given us this amazing ability to find anything and everything that we possibly want to know. And all of the motivation and all of the inspiration. But we only, almost always, only see the best of things when it comes to trying to find our way in life and to try to find other people to motivate us and to give us clarity, you're almost always only going to find the best. And even when it's bad things, you're seeing the dramatic, you're seeing the emotional, the mundane, the gray in between, we rarely see. And so when we have to face it, we question the fuck out of it. We question ourselves and we question our journey. We question our ability and and our discipline 
And it's not wrong. It's just fucking human. So if you made your way through some things, even if it was, it felt so small, because a lot of times it's mentally tough, even if the action was super small, I applaud you for facing it, whatever that little small thing was. And I hope that you can reflect on it and I hope that you can accept it and I think and I hopefully you can be grateful for it. I was so angry this last week, angry at everything, at my lifting, at my progress, at my at my certain at my particular status, the way I look to other people, the the lack of effort I've had or uh, the lack of success, the way I look to other people. It's just been a total mindfuck. But I know most of it's not true. I, most of it I know is, is conditioning. Most of it I know is there because it was instilled in me somehow. So it's not true. The truth is what I want. The truth is what I believe. The truth is what I'm after. That's the fucking truth. It doesn't come without the pain. It doesn't come without the struggle. And you know what? It's okay to be angry. And we've talked about this. Anger can be a huge motivator. Anger can, can move you. Even if it's raw. Even if it's done without thought. Which we have to be careful of. But it can be a huge motivator. Those times that you say, fuck the world. The times that you say, fuck the doubters. The times that you say, fuck to everybody that doesn't see you. That's a big one for me. I'm extroverted, and I love people, and I hate not being seen. And I hate saying that. It shouldn't be about that. But whatever that is, I have to face it. I have to change the mind. I've changed a lot in the last few years, but it doesn't mean it's gotten any easier. It means you level up to the next thing that you have to deal with. So... I hope that's something for you. I hope that you can bleed with me a little bit. I hope that you're okay with that blood. It means something. The cut means something. The scar will mean something. Ooh, hear Thor? He's snoring a little bit. But I've been able to come, and I'm currently editing this upcoming week's episode with one of my new favorite people. And I want everybody to understand the importance of what she's saying because her message, for the most part, is that sex will help heal the world. Maybe in a way that it will. At least from her angle, there's a lot of power in how we approach sex, uh, how we get over the shame about how we get over what it's supposed to be, like performance-wise, about how we learn to communicate. So without further ado, I want to bring you all into this new one. Gets a little raw, gets a little interesting at some point. Made me a little uncomfortable, but I talked about it anyway. So this is going to be episode 56 with Maria Two Straps.
Maria Tustraps is passionate about her love for human sexuality and pushing the limits of her own body. And she intends to use that fuel to help push a message that she wholeheartedly believes in herself. She is a sex and relationship coach, a sex educator, a loud and proud queer POC, a soon-to-be sex therapist, a Gottman Level 1 trained practitioner, a powerlifter, yeah, and a NASM certified personal trainer. Now, she knows many aspects of human sexuality, relationships, psychology, and physical fitness that are difficult to talk about. That's why she wants to be here for you. She comes equipped with non-judgmental ears to listen to your thoughts with an open-minded head to brainstorm your world with you and with a loud heart that accepts you fully and will feel the feels with you. She is here as your coach to help fuck shit up in the best, most empowering, and most productive way possible. I'd like to introduce you to Maria Twostraps. Maria, how are you Hello. today? <laughs> well, thank you for that intro. <laughs> I am splendid. <laughs> how art thou, Zach? Thank uh, you for having me on. Of course, of course. Um, Maria and I have talked a little bit in the past. Uh, it's taken a little while for us to cross paths and get to know each other a little bit. But the more that we've talked and the more that we've discussed, it seems like there's just so much that is potentially not just in common, but uh, a lot of things that we can discuss, especially here on the podcast about things to question and things to provoke and things to challenge. Um, I have to let you guys know that I might get a little distracted because Maria has three baby Yodas in the back. And <laughs> it's one of the things that we share, like <laughs> being obsessed with Star Wars and Mandalorian. I uh, do it on purpose to throw people off when I'm you in totally I could see that. I, could I see put that. them in different in different places, even with my clients. Just and I don't say anything just to see if they <laughs> as cute as they are, they're like it's almost creepy because they're facing right? straight into the camera. Right. I did. On purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get too carried away, Maria, why don't you tell everybody about who you are, like what your story is and how that has built your your perspective and the world around you and what makes up Maria and um, and your own voice? Oh, shit. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Goodness. I feel like I play a lot of different roles. A lot of them are <laughs> mostly related to, to sex things. So as you said, I'm a sex educator, sex and relationships coach, uh, personal trainer, grad student for clinical psych and sex therapy, uh, and uh, soon to be intimacy coordinator. Um, so just like a stunt coordinator does stunts for film intimacy mm. coordinators do the love scenes so yeah, that'll be sweet. fun <laughs> that's gonna be so fun uh, and also I just got hired as a journey instructor to teach on um intersectionality and relationships did so, you really yes that's yes, fantastic I'm very excited about that <laughs> I For never thought was, I mean we met through journey yeah and I never once thought that I would end up 180 or what is it 360 I don't know I, I never thought that I would end up all the way around and now become an instructor it's positive <laughs> so I'm degrees very so that's all that's all that matters it's positive degrees. yeah right 180 yeah. 360 you know whatever uh for yeah. anybody that doesn't you know, know what we mean who journey is journey is um the coaching program and the organization that we both went through to become coaches um and probably one of the, the most amazing experiences I've gone through personally. Um, 
Maria, I know that. So what I found is that there's a lot of people that I vibe with because of their authenticity, because of the way that they go against the status quo, because of the way that they, they don't stick to the typical way of doing things. And that's part of the reason I wanted to bring on Maria so much is because she's this person that exudes so much color. And I like to know where that comes from, you know, and Maria, is there, is there a time when things changed for you? Was it, was it some sort of catalyst or was it this gradual thing or, you know, with, within your childhood, like what, what started you off on the path that you're on now? Like what, I guess, where did all your color come from? Oh shit. (laughs) This comes from, wow. Years ago, I'd say over a decade ago, I'm what I'm 30 now. So I'd say 17, 18. Yeah. I remember I, I grew up very strict Catholic conservative. I was born in the Philippines, only child, first generation to grow up here in the States. Uh, my mom actually flew me out here because Mount Pinatubo erupted in the Philippines, huge volcanic eruption. Whoa. And they literally left, my mom and dad lit- literally left with my baby bag. And that's it. <laughs> and they brought me here. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the joke is like, I just came from a fucking volcano. And that's why I am so fiery a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do have uh, red hair. Goodness. I exactly. It's the volcano. I blame all of that. Totally. I attribute it to that. <laughs> but yeah, so I was raised pretty conservative, pretty Catholic, only child. And there was a lot of, uh, I guess, cultural barriers and, yeah. and generational barriers between, you know, my family and me growing up here in a capitalistic, uh, individualistic society where, and, you know, Asian culture, Filipino culture is very collectivist. Um, and they're all about, you know, thinking about don't stir the water, yeah, <laughs> keep the peace. But here, you know, in the U.S., it's like you're an individual, you're you're unique, stand out. And there, there was a lot of cultural battles there. Um, yeah. And then I was, I, I grew up very religious. Um, and then it was 17, 18. I remember I was watching. I liked boys at the time. I had long hair. I was cute and proper. A plus <laughs> student. Very great student. Um. But, you know, I just I fucking hated myself inside. Uh, yeah. And so I would, you know, go to church even more and like confess even more. And like, <laughs> think of the complete opposite that I am now. I like boys, I went to church every single fucking day. Mm-hmm. And I, if I did something wrong, I just felt ashamed of myself for like days, weeks, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I remember watching America's Next Top mm-hmm. Model. I forget which season, but there was a contestant. Her name was JL. Um she didn't win, but everybody remembered her because she was so bubbly. She was so edgy. She was so out there. She fucking loved everybody and she treated everybody well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, she's so amazing. Uh, I had a huge crush on her. I was like, oh my gosh, she's so, she's so amazing. And she's so awesome. It's just her personality. Everything about her was colorful, her outfits, her personality. She had short hair. And one day I just said, fuck it. I cut my hair short. Um, I didn't tell anyone I wanted to be like JL basically mm-hmm. I was very reserved, quiet, conservative. Uh, I didn't tell anyone. And I was, and then I came to school the next day and I was like, look at my hair, by the way, I'm fucking gay. So <laughs> I just so it was like kind out. of piled it on. I just kind of piled it on and I just kind of flipped the switch. And it was ever since then that 
that I, that I, I just stepped into who I kind of am now. Yeah. So, so that was a big, a big turning point watching JL and we ended up becoming friends later. Um, she unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but rest in peace, wherever you are, JL, you yeah. are amazing. Um, but yeah, she changed my life in so many ways. And then I'm here now. <laughs> no, no, I, that's, I mean, <clears throat> it seems like it, it almost seems like we reach a breaking point with, with a lot of yeah. things, you know, where, where you're, you're so suppressed and there's some sort of system or position that just pushes you past, you know, acceptance of whatever it is that you were, I guess, almost, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's the kind of same thing that happened with me. Mine was a, a relationship that I, I couldn't get over, you know? And, yeah. um, <clears throat> afterwards it put me in this position of like if if i don't have this person to make me feel complete and if i don't know what i'm about then that's what i need to figure out Mm -hmm. you know and it was a release of like fuck everyone and everything because i i can't handle being this type of person anymore um did you did did you feel like you like did you feel like you were you were gay before and then, and it was just like, you were being, you know, you were into boys just because that was, you know, the, the way to be and the majority of thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I knew for a long time, but I just didn't know how to make of it. I didn't yeah. know what to do about it. I had nobody to talk to about it. I mean, not like I can talk to not like I have siblings to talk to, not like I can talk to, you know, my mom about it. <laughs> um, but you know, like an elementary school, be like, oh, that teacher's cute. Or like, they're passing out papers. And, you know, I was a little kid, I didn't know any better. And I like look down their shirt and be like, oh, my, why does my pee pee feel weird? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't know any better. Yeah. I was like, ah, it's normal. It'll go away. And I did have brushes on boys. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can tell you, like, if a man is physically attractive or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but do I see myself in an intimate relationship with one? No, I, I, yeah. I, I can't develop those deep intimate feelings like I can't imagine myself telling a man like intimately I love you you know as I can with a woman so I feel like I've known that for a while um but I just I didn't know any better so I tried nothing worked it was always you know girls that made my pee feel a little weirder so man (laughs) so I went that direction (laughs) No, I mean, but it it would it brought with you some sort of truth, right? Yeah, yeah. Trial and error. Yeah. Well, I think so. The way that that it feels to me is that because of the way that we could have been raised and the things that we were told, like we didn't know anything else, right? Like our world is so mm-hmm. small when we're when we're young, and so to go against that, at least for me, to go against that. It, you don't even want to go into that section. You don't even, you don't even want to question it because yeah. of the scolding or because of the, you know, the, the possibility of exile from, from your groups, your friends, your, your mm-hmm. family, you know, whatever I it is. I thought it was going to go to the fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shit out of me. <laughs> totally. So it's, it, it's almost like, or at least what I found is like, if you don't, if you don't get into the uncomfortable zone, even when it comes to sexuality, if you don't, if you can't internally ask yourself, if you're that uncomfortable, when nobody else can hear your thoughts, if you're so uncomfortable that you can't even question 
you know, something so intimate within your own head, then mm-hmm. I, then I think that you're in a bad position, like, because you can't be open-minded. You can't, you can't think that there's something else besides what the world is set up for you almost. Yeah. Right. And it's fear. It's fear that takes over. Yeah. And we know, and we know it through journey <laughs> when your brain is in fight, flight, freeze mode, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in that fear response, you, mm-hmm. you, you physiologically cannot use your executive functioning. You can't use, there's not as much blood flow going to the prefrontal cortex. You can't make big decisions, big logical decisions. And everything's based on like, am I going to die or not? Mm-hmm. And it's literally, you know, your midbrain taking over. <laughs> Freak out. Oh, yeah, totally. Every decision and- is this or that. Mm-hmm. No logic. <laughs> Scary. Yeah. Um, Scary. You know, f- full disclosure, like I, there's multiple times in my twenties where I, I questioned my sexuality and I questioned it only because the presence of other people that were in my life that were beyond the, the straight cisgender, uh, a group of people, you know, mm-hmm. because I was, I was told to, or I was kind of raised to kind of love and accept people as much as I could as they are. And, you know, I, <laughs> At the age of 33, very straight, got no questions about it now, but I had times in my twenties where I had to question it. I don't even know what gave me the courage to question it, but if I didn't, I think that's the type of situation. And, you know, we can even go beyond sexuality right now. You know, we can go in more of a general idea. If you're not questioning those things that are, that may feel like there might be something on the other side of the fence. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there's something else out there, then you're never going to know. And then you have, you know, these people that um, figure out they're in miserable jobs at the age of 40 or 50, or they figure out, you know, that they're, that they're gay or transgender or whatever at the age of 50, when, you know, I think the idea is to be open-minded and courageous enough to try things as much as you can, as early as you can, to discover mm-hmm. who you are and live that life as authentically as you can for as long as you can. Um, did yeah. that. So, so did your, did your openness to your sexuality actually open up your world to the work that you do now, like being, you know, a sex educator or a relationship coach, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when I, I, I guess when I had that switch moment uh-huh. and when I cut my hair when I came out um senior year in high school and I just said fuck it you know I I felt so great I, I was tired of hating myself at, mm-hmm. at that point and I think that's what what drew me over the edge I was tired of you know I would masturbate and then I would feel shame for fucking months and I would like take my take the bus take my ass on the bus to go to fucking church and go to confession because I mm-hmm. felt so bad for doing it Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, um, it was when, when I had that switch moment, cut my hair, I came out and then I just tried to be as colorful as I, as I could, because I Mm -hmm. wanted to be like JL. I just loved everything about her, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that really opened me up to trying anything and everything. And I made a lot of mistakes. It's like, fuck it. I'm, I (laughs) I went off the deep end. I made a lot of my mistakes. I mm-hmm. did a lot of stupid things. Um, and then I realized I could have saved myself a lot of trouble if I only had the education. If I had the mm-hmm. options, if someone had presented me the options, 
I could have made an executive decision off of that, you know, as opposed to not knowing anything and going into life with like, fuck it. I don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do it. Whatever. I don't care. I don't care if I have unprotected sex right now, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I made some stupid mistakes and if only I had that education, I could have made a more executive decision at the time and presented my, and prevented a lot of uh, mistakes that I went through, but you know, trial and error was a lot of error at first. And it was all that error that led me to, to sex ed. It's like, Mm -hmm. if, if, only people have this fucking information. There's so much we don't know. And why is it that we don't know? Why is it we don't have anybody to talk to about this? Mm -hmm. Why is it that they're keeping this shit from us? Why Mm -hmm. is it when you ask someone, they say, don't talk about it. Yet sex is presented in in media and advertisements. It's fucking all over. Sex sells. Every marketer knows that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But we can't talk about it? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. you know, to me, and and tell me if you you if this if this hits you differently, or you know what your perspective yeah. would be on this. But it seems as you know, as a culture, there's this idea of of this one pristine way to be that makes you the happiest, the most fulfilled, uh, the most successful. Um, and, and this idea is being you know kind of held above everybody and said, hey, this is what you should chase. This is where you want to be. But it's so tunnel vision that it mm-hmm. it does seem to close off any other any other path, uh, any other option, any other unique, imaginative, creative way of being. And to me, mm-hmm. it's 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 unfair to the diversity and and the the complexity of us as humans as a whole. You know, it doesn't allow mm-hmm. us to to bring things together as unique people, because we're, you know, we're all told to be the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And I, I totally agree with you on that. And we're given this kind of a default format to live through. Oh yeah. And everything's so boxy and black and white, like this is it, anything outside of the box and you're fucked. Like Mm -hmm. good luck with that. But you know, black and white, what, what people forget about is, all the other color in between black and white is just, you know, the, 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 op- the opposing ends, but there's so much color in between the fucking rainbows that are in between mm-hmm. there's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, you know, Roy G. Biv, everything in between. There's so much more in between than there are at the ends, mm-hmm. but it's easy. It's easy to just say black and white. It's mm-hmm. easy to just acknowledge those two things or, you know, one default, but when we actually dive into the color, that's where things become more and more beautiful. And we're like, Agreed. oh shit, I didn't realize that I was actually here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not black or white. I, I didn't realize I was this color. And sometimes I portray this color and you know, I really like this color. Maybe I might not go that way, but it's cool color anyways. You know, mm-hmm. it's accepting everything that's in between, but that's, that's hard for people because it forces them to unlearn a lot of things. Yes. And it forces them to expand. And maybe sometimes during that expansion, you might come across something that, that challenges your previous thought. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what a lot of people can't 
can't do. It can't challenge their old thoughts because they've stuck with them for so long. And then they're like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. I'm going to go back. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. There's beauty when you can just see all the fucking rainbows. Rainbows yeah. are fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. No. Do you think that there's, do you think that there's something major that holds people back from that uncomfortable, you know, that, that uncomfortable transition, you know, that, um, it almost seems like there's a, there's a psychological, like biological thing. I mean, maybe it goes back to the fight or flight, you know, of Mm -hmm. going away from the norm. Like, why is it so hard to detach from the majority? Because it seems like when we do and we become part of something different, there's so much more respect there's there's a release there there's um more common ground even outside mm-hmm. of the majority you would think that the common ground is within the within the majority but it's so bland inside the majority you know what i mean right um, yeah it's super bland. yeah get some flavor get some spice in there <laughs> put it up your butt you might like it god <laughs> Let's try it. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I questioned a guy just the other day about this um, detour. We're detouring um, <laughs> just a couple of days ago. You know, he said something about whiskey being manly. And I was like, dude, what what makes you think that whiskey is, you know, the manly thing? Like, why is it? Mm-hmm. Why is it attached to a gender? I said, if, right. if I'm drinking I whiskey right now. Shit. I, I mean, I like whiskey. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't want to see me on whiskey anyway, <laughs> but you know, I told him, I said, well, what if I was a guy that, that liked cocktails? I said, what, and mm-hmm. the alcohol content is the same exact thing. Why would it matter that I drink a cocktail instead of whiskey? Why does, why does whiskey make me more manly? And he straight mm-hmm. up said, he said, um, he kind of deflected a little bit, but what he did say, he's like, dude, I'm a guy that likes to be in fishnet stockings, heels and likes to be pegged. And I'm like, Okay, that came out of nowhere. But, <laughs> right. but, you know, even then he he came out and just said that and he's a strongman competitor. Mm-hmm. Like he does all this like heavy lifting stuff at the gym, you know, and mm-hmm. it's crazy how much we can label something as masculine or feminine or male mm-hmm. or female or for men or for women mm-hmm. that if we can just allow ourselves to see outside of that like how much more you can accept people. I was like, cool. This guy totally just opened up to me with some random fact, you know, even if it kind of sucked for him to say in the moment. And now I get to see this human for who he is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's fucking amazing though. Right. <laughs> that he just admitted that. That's, that's cool. It was definitely unexpected. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so Maria and I have actually like, talked about the spectrum of things uh, previously and there's there is a lot that can make people uncomfortable that that's kind of hard to accept and one of the things that you were talking about before that i kind of want to tap into because i i want people to hear this is Mm -hmm. when it comes to you know sexuality with sex in general like being hypersexual there's this idea that men are you know more sexual than women because you know we're we're very visual um Mm -hmm. you know it's we're we can be attracted, quote unquote, attracted to somebody first thing, foremost, off of just physical appearance and you mm-hmm. want to hump their leg, you know, 
And I definitely think that there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a maturity that you, you start to see somebody beyond their physical appearance. But I think mm-hmm. the thing that you and I talked about a little bit before was like, women aren't less sexual. Women aren't oh. less horny. It's just this social construct or this idea that they are maybe, or maybe it's because of the way that we view sex differently. We're told to show up about it. We're Mm. told to be virgins. We're told to be pure. We're told to be there for just our husbands and one Mm -hmm. person alone. And men are, and are taught to, you know, be, be the aggressor, be the aggressive one, have as multiple, as many partners as, as possible because it's the cool manly thing to do yeah you know it's set a, on a pedestal for it exactly exactly but for a woman no she's a slut right she's mm-hmm. a total whore whatever mm-hmm. being a slut is cool <laughs> being having autonomy is cool being able to choose on your own is cool you know mm-hmm. making your own confident assertive decisions is fucking cool um but it's women and men are not our libidos are pretty much the same. I think a lot of people are like, oh man, I'm just horny all the time. Yeah, women get horny too, sometimes mm-hmm. even more so. And also depending on like where we're at in the ci- in our cycles, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just told to shut up about it. We're told to wait. We're told to be passive. We're told to wait, wait for, for the, the right guy, right? Yeah. Wait for that persistent guy because he really, really likes you. It's like, mm-hmm. no means fucking no. Fucking stop. <laughs> <laughs> It's not cute if you keep fucking going. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, letting everybody know right there, right now. It's not fucking cute if you keep going. No means fucking no the first time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just socialization, how we're raised, how the different genders are raised. And it's got its uh, annoying little things. <laughs> no, no I, I totally agree. It's, it's just, it seems like people are so disconnected from being something different just because of what they were told that they were supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. little boys were, were, were told to stop crying all the time. Like, so yeah. boys aren't allowed to be sad. Boys aren't, aren't allowed to be weak. Um, and, and what then, happens when they bottle all these emotions and they fucking go crazy. Yeah. They shoot, they fucking shoot up an Asian spot. Mm-hmm. It's because they, <laughs> They hate Asian women and, but they believe that they can be assertive and powerful. They believe they have the the power. They believe that they can have this submissive Asian female stereotype, you know, everything that's been portrayed about Asians in the fucking media, you know, they feel like, I'll, let me start this over. I'm going to cut this part out. <laughs> Finding my words because I'm getting angry. And when I get angry, it's like, oh, my words are like, yeah. You get angry. I will, you, I will right? allow you to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm looking for the word. Um, wow. Okay, help me find this word. When someone thinks that they have privilege over someone, why can't I think of it right now? not privilege but they have power over someone yeah i kind of see what you're saying you know and it seems like men inherently think that that's what you know the social standard is almost yeah 
right? God damn it. What is that word? Um, if someone thinks not agency, not privilege over someone entitlement. There we go. Oh, there, totally, we go. Yeah, oh, there, there you go. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. I, I'm back. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go get in right now. Okay. <laughs> and so what happens when men bottle up their emotions and their feelings, they go fucking crazy because mm-hmm. feelings and emotions tell you things. And if you bottle that shit up, it's going to come out, it's going to come up. And what happens when these emotions get bottled up and you have no outlet, you fucking shoot up an Asian spa because you've been socialized that women are submissive to you, especially Asian women. You know, you see how they portray mm-hmm. Asian women in media. Mm-hmm. Me love you long time. You know, <laughs> I mean, do everything you want. It's like, no, fuck, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not like that. <laughs> Jeez, we're not all like that. And so what happens if, if a man can't share his emotions, they feel entitled, you know, they feel entitled and then they, they blow the fuck up. And, you know, like this man who showed up that fucking Asian spa felt like he was entitled to, to do that. And it was the woman's fault. Uh, he couldn't look inwards at his own emotions and mm-hmm. all our, our emotions tell us things. Mm-hmm. Our emotions tell us things. They're not bad. They're directing you somewhere. Your brain's like, okay, this is causing disequilibrium. So we're going to give you this emotion. So can you do something about that emotion a little bit? Can you try to figure out what's happening? So we can get you back to equilibrium, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like because men are taught and men are socialized to bottle everything up, don't cry. Don't fucking do that shit. You know, you're only girls do that. Mm-hmm. What happens is things bottle up. And a lot of the time it comes out as anger. And anger is rarely ever just anger. Anger is kind of like a mask for other emotions. Anger could be fear. Anger could be, you know, embarrassment. It's shame. just a mask. It's just it's shame. Yeah, it, it's a mask for for other things. Rarely is anger ever just anger, but there's usually something underlying it. Uh, but it just comes out as anger when we're not taught how to express our emotions. Mm-hmm. So what happens? This shit happens. Mm-hmm. It's everyone else's fault, but mine. Mm-hmm. I'm angry. Blah blah blah. I'm gonna shoot up these people. Which mm-hmm. oh, fuck that guy. Jesus <laughs> no it's okay <laughs> the last few weeks i've just been yelling at everyone oh i totally get it. and you know um what i found which is something i tried i i try to pass on to as many men as i can is that there's a reason that we were given all these emotions right so who decides mm-hmm. that whatever emotion if we all feel them then why weren't we allowed? Why aren't we, why are we being told that we're not allowed to feel them? You mm-hmm. know, and even, you know, our sadness, our anger, our envy, uh, all, all of that stuff is, it is emotion that we feel and it's all healthy. It's, it's, but it's about how the problem is, is nobody teaches about, you know, emotional intelligence for, mm-hmm. you know, per se. And, and so anger gets attached to, the unhealthy um, action that that uh, comes afterwards, you know. So, anger automatically also brings aggression, violence, uh, intimidation, you know, all that stuff. And I learned in my own life, my own life, I suppressed anger for for so long that I actually didn't know how to handle it. You know, mm-hmm. I I thought that I was better as a man because I didn't get angry. But when that emotion does get suppressed 
the energy has to go somewhere. Exactly. It, it has to go yeah. somewhere, you know, and when that happens to men and they suppress whatever emotions that they do have, it tends to go towards action. And if, if it is a suppressed emotion, it's going to almost always come out as a negative action, you know, and that, you know, that's where the aggression and the violence and all, and all that bullshit comes from. And, uh, overall, I think we have a bad mental health in our culture, you know, why is it? I think the biggest, one of the biggest problems is, is like having these stereotypes because we blanket, we blanket everybody with them. You know, there's, there's less Mm -hmm. possibility for individuality and autonomy. You know, it's that idea that I was talking about before is like, it comes down to the, the one thing that we're all supposed to be right. The default. Yeah. Yeah. The default. Um, But how many people actually are happy in default? No, most, most not. Most not. I think it's very rare that people would be. Even the ones with the white picket fences, Mm -hmm. most of them are unhappy. So it's like, why do we keep going towards that default? If literally even people in the default are not happy (laughs) default. Mm -hmm. It's baffling. It's baffling, but it it is, it's hard to look outside the box. (laughs) It's hard for people to look at the prism and to look at the rainbows and to look at the colors Mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of unlearning and it take and sometimes in that unlearning you realize that shit that you were thinking for maybe months years decades has been wrong and Mm -hmm. people don't like to admit that they're wrong humility is is very difficult for humans (laughs) very admitting defeats is difficult but it can be done and the world can become a better fucking place out there. Yeah. I mean, just fucking admit it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think uh, vulnerability is something that, that we have to push on more and more, you know, yes. what, male or female, like for whatever reason, you know, be vulnerable, about, vulnerable, vulnerable about the emotions that you have and the things that you desire. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of, that t- kind of brings me back. So when it comes to, the the coaching and and i mean you're on your way to being a therapist too right mm-hmm. yeah um are you noticing this same uh vulnerability issue and shame when you're when you're you know as a sex educator you know somebody like what are the biggest things that are coming up um with people vulnerability and shame and that leads to a lack of communication between mm. partners or between people. And I like what you were saying about emotional intelligence. I am a firm believer that emotional intelligence, relational, uh, emotional intelligence and sex ed can change the fucking world. And emotional intelligence, if we learned about empathy, if we learned about emotions as kids, we never learned that shit in, in elementary school. I learned about active listening and, you know, empathy and listening to other people and, and listening to listen, not listening. So, you know, what, not listening to talk, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I learned about that shit in college and I was like, oh my God. So not everything's about me. I didn't know that. What yeah. the fuck? <gasps> Holy shit. <sighs> like mind blown. Like People will respect you. People will like you more if you are able to empathize if you actually truly listen to them, if you ask them questions about themselves, like, holy shit, 
but we never we never were taught that when we were kids Mm -hmm. and I think if we learned about emotions if we learned about empathy especially that can prevent the fucking bullshit that we see nowadays that can prevent Mm -hmm. a lot of racism because we're able to see or not, not we can we're able to kind of feel what someone else is going through. We may not know exactly 100% what someone's going through, but we can empathize with their pain and their sadness, you mm-hmm. know, if their particular if their particular, you know, race has been has been, you know, treated poorly for centuries. Mm-hmm. We're able to empathize and forget which country it is that they're making it mandatory to teach um, empathy in grade school i want to say it's norway or denmark i don't know i don't remember but and then they're making (laughs) they're making it mandatory for like sex ed to be taught and you know like gender and sexuality that's like what holy shit look how peaceful they fucking are i wonder why (laughs) i wonder why they don't lock their fucking front doors Mm -hmm. (laughs) like what I wonder why their crime rates are so much lower. I wonder why like mental health isn't such a serious issue in these countries mm-hmm. when they're able to learn about fucking emotional health mm-hmm. and empathy and emotions and, you know, all of that good stuff. And you know, I, it wasn't until I was like 25, 26 that it actually really hit me. You know? Yeah. But, oh my gosh. People have feelings <laughs> and also try to get in touch with your own feelings too. You know? And then I was like, wow, this is a whole new world and this changed my life. And I feel like learning about emotions and all of this can prevent things like, like racism. It can prevent fucking bullshit, misogynist pieces of shit going into mm-hmm. power um and fucking up an entire nation and exposing more fucking racists yeah um but we won't go down that rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> that's a big one too that's a big rabbit that's hole. that's a big one um and i think go ahead oh um i think that with with that too that helps relationships dramatically because a lot of people come to me i don't know how to talk about this issue mm-hmm. um a lot of uh, women identifying clients that come to me, um, I battle with people crossing my boundaries. A lot of male presenting clients that come to me, um, uh, I, I'm battling with like, you know, if I'm crossing too many boundaries and stuff. So, it, and, and it's it's all of these like you know them trying to deal with their emotions and their feelings, and they don't know how to communicate it. And it's like if we went to the the root of the problem know, helping them deal with their emotions and they can help. If you help them deal with their emotions, it can help them communicate better about their wants and their needs. And it can help improve their relationships, can help improve the bedroom too. A lot of people who come to me with bedroom problems, a lot of it's rooted in emotional issues that they aren't able to communicate with their partner or partners. And it's presenting in the bedroom, you know? Yeah. It's never really a physical issue for Ooh. the most part. It's always, okay. almost always an emotional so, thing. Okay. A so, so, um, thing. see if I can clear this up from my own head. I think I got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> that was a big rant. That was a big um, rant. So, so is it almost like people that understand their own emotions? can become more confident and in that confidence present themselves better almost. Is that kind of what you're saying? If someone can 
can get into their emotions and understand their emotions, they're able to better communicate them with their partner partners and with themselves too. And then it can lead to better relationships. So is that what's causing that, that issue of boundary is, is because they, they don't understand their emotions well enough? A lot of the times. Yeah. They, okay. Sometimes, you know, they're just not aware of the situation. Sometimes, you know, yeah. it's how, how they're taught to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> how they're socialized and stuff. Persist, persist, persist. No, that's not, she said no 15 times. You should yeah. stop the first time. Yeah. Like it's just, I don't get why she doesn't like me. Well, she said fucking no. So leave her alone. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, yeah, yeah. So basically to kind of wrap it all up, it's I, I think it, the more individuals, the more people are in tune with their emotions, the more mm-hmm. they're able to understand them, the better they can be at communicating them to others and to themselves. And then the better their relationships will be with other people. Mm-hmm better their sex life will be the better their relationship will be so emotional health sex ed i think can really save the fucking world it's not that hard this is an interesting idea i hope you guys are hearing this sex will save the world just so mm-hmm. everybody knows <laughs> but yep. it, it it does take some level of uh discomfort and vulnerability and yes like the communication i guess right yeah the communication but it's it's all these uh cultural bubbles that we're we're that we grow up with yeah like religion like gender like our socioeconomic class so many different factors play a part on how we present our sexuality how we Mm -hmm. think of our sexuality um how we portray our sexuality to Mm -hmm. the world um there's a lot of moving parts and I feel like a lot of these, these cultural bubbles and boxes prevent us from really kind of exploring and understanding and thus prevent us from communicating efficiently about them. Mm-hmm. And then we realize once we're at, then we realize kind of once we've crossed the line, ah, shit, I didn't like that. Huh. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of heavy shame too, when it comes to if you cross that, <laughs> if you cross that, sorry, excuse me, whatever, delete this part. <laughs> My brain farted for a second. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of guilt that is thrown at you when you cross what is not default in that mm-hmm. box, in that cultural box that you were told to, to be a part of, that you were socialized to be a part of. And that shame and guilt is really fucks up a lot of people. Yeah. Fucked me up for quite some time. I fucking hated myself. I was like, I'm tired of hating myself. Yeah. It seems like, you know, the people that you would trust your most, you know, trust the most, the people that are close to your friends and family, when you feel that shame and guilt from them about, you know, being outside of the box, I can see why it would close you back up. Absolutely. Because you're not accepted by the people that you thought you would always be accepted by. Mm -hmm. So hard. It's very hard. And it's a very painful process for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Do you think, so it seems like at this time in 
in the modern world, we're, we're finally starting to, to see a lot of that. And I don't, maybe, maybe finally we're becoming a little bit more open-minded, hopefully, uh, a little bit more wise. Um, but there is a little bit of history, right. That kind of created this, this culture and this construct of, you know, lack of communication and gender roles mm-hmm. and, and all of this shit, right? Like where, mm-hmm. oh, where do you, fuck, where did you see a lot this? of history? <laughs> yeah. Where did you see this coming from the most? Or cause you, oh, you've, God. you've dove into it a little bit, right? I went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I wanted to be a sex educator because I wanted to teach people about their bodies, yeah. but then but then I started learning more about history and what they haven't taught us. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is baffling. Why didn't they tell us this? What? A lot of these things are rooted in the patriarchy. It's rooted in some fucked up shit that we weren't taught. Of course, you know, they're not going to teach us sex ed. It's already a delicate topic, let alone tell you the truth about mm-hmm. what the fuck happened in history. So when it comes to history, okay, so I could talk about, let me pull up my notes here, my lengthy notes. <laughs> we can talk about marriage, the history of marriage that I think is one of the biggest, I think was one of the biggest catalysts of modern day patriarchy, mm-hmm. uh, marriage, um, women's reproductive health. Uh, women's bodies in, in medicine in general. Um, we can talk about, you know, spiritualism and how a lot of the shit was, a lot of the spiritual world that we see in America today is rooted, is, is stolen from other cultures. Um, there's, and there's a lot, there's a lot. I guess I could start with, with marriage and then I could talk about women's bodies and how and women's reproductive health. <laughs> well, let's hear, about, <laughs> let's, let's hear about the marriage part because that's super interesting to me. And, you know, I also think that it's interesting that there's like this taboo thing about sexuality, right? Like, I want to hear that too. But let's, let's start off with the marriage thing. Like, what yes, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Where did that start? So way, way back when, no, back in our hunter-gatherer societies, mm-hmm. we would travel around in packs of like, you know, 100 or so, not not too many. We'd oh, travel that's way more in than I thought maybe like a hundred ish or so, maybe a little yeah, less, totally. maybe a little more, but you were mobile as a group and yeah. it was the responsibility of the whole group to keep each other alive. There mm-hmm. was really no like one person, whatever. So mm-hmm. you're traveling together. Um, if a woman got pregnant and raised a child, everyone was responsible for it because, you know, if you're out in the open and you're prone to, you know, like an attack from a lion or something mm-hmm. and baby's crying, Okay, whoever's closest to baby, try to calm baby down. <laughs> it's everyone taking a part and keeping everybody alive. So what happened was the advent of um, farming. So with farming, uh, we were able to stay in one place. Hunter-gatherer life, you had to hunt and follow the animals, follow the food. right and change based on the seasons and stuff but with the advent of agriculture with the advent of farming we were able to position ourselves in one location so when we were able to position ourselves in one location um, we were able to get land and grow crops and all of that and in order for 
you to pass. So say you're going to pass away in order for you to pass on your land to someone else, you had to know that your child was yours. So paternity certainty became a thing in hunter gatherer society. You were kind of free to have sex with whomever Mm -hmm. the woman is free to have sex with whomever the child was the responsibility of the whole group. Right. But with farming, um, the males had to know who their offspring what uh, who their offspring were, so they needed paternity certainty to pass on their land to their offspring. Ah. And so, marriage was a thing. Marriage became a thing. Marriage was literally <laughs> about your fucking land rights, and it was just like a fucking business deal, Thanks, whatever. So you're married to God damn it, agriculture. <laughs> um, but you were able to say this is my wife and these are my kids. So Mm -hmm. my land goes to them. Uh, And then, you know, entitlement slowly became a thing. Like, yeah. I I can see that. Yes. So that's kind of a, I would say was a big thing that kind of spurred on the patriarchy that kind of snowballed it. Male entitlement. This is my land. These are my kids. It goes to them. Yeah, the women were kind of like, oh, okay, so what do we get? Cool. So, <laughs> so I mean, there there's multiple things in there then because, um, so you know, take for instance, you know the the males did you know probably did most of the agriculture right you know the agricultural work right, um, mm-hmm. so there's like this priority. Uh, of him, maybe some sort of hierarchy. And so it mm-hmm. may have been, you know, uh, suppressive of the, of the female. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have this idea where your, your quote unquote family of hunter gatherers goes from like a hundred to three or four, you know, depending on how you, how, you know, how much you have in your family, you know, how, mm-hmm. what, what your extended family looks like. Um, and then I don't know if this ties in or not, but especially in the starting point of America itself, you know, it was, you know, there's a lot of basis off of, you know, Christianity, I think, or a Catholicism, maybe, you know, the religion based, right. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, Christianity, yeah. Christianity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so is there also this tie of why uh, polygamy, polygamy would also be kind of like this taboo, no, no thing, you know, that people are not supposed to do. Um, polygamy or, or polyamory. Uh, you mean, I think that one polyamory screwed up the words, but yeah, polyamory. I got you. I got you. (laughs) Polygamy is the multiple wives, right? Yes. 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 Okay. And polyamory is, is multiple loves. Yes. So yes, yes, yes. And it's not, you know, one man with multiple women. It could be, yeah, two women, two men, whatever. polyamory, multiple loves. Yeah. That's what polyamory is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, it is looked down upon for sure. Um, and especially with like the advent of agriculture, marriage, man and wife and blah, blah, blah. Um, and religion, religion was the big thing. Religion mm-hmm. kind of, you know, put the stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> man and wife and anything other than that is wrong and you are going to hell for it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made things a little more extreme. Um, and like polyamory, it's like, okay, you're being, you're being a slut. You're being unfaithful. 
you mm-hmm. are losing your virginity and you're becoming unclean. You're making your own choices and you're not, you're not listening to one man who's go, who's supposed to be your husband and tell you everything you need to do in life and subdue you. Um, so yeah. <laughs> that's, so that was left down upon. That's so deep too. That's so mm-hmm. deep. Yeah. Is polyamory, I mean, you're in the case of like multiple women and multiple men, for example, in a polyamorous love circle, you're putting a lot of power in the women and that's not what a lot of the patriarchy wants to, wants to do. They yeah, don't want to totally. give a lot of power to the women. Yeah. You don't want to give them too many options because what if they say no to you? Oh, that hurts can't say no to me. So I'm going to try to control you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to limit your resources and limit what you think and limit what you say. And anything outside of that is bad. You're a shitty person for it. You're a slut. Well, and I think the hard part is, is because there's one way of thinking it's, it's hard to bring everybody together and accept everybody else's position almost. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's almost like you put a prejudgment on anybody as soon as you know where they stand because you have mm-hmm. your own uh you have your own ideas of what's quote unquote right. And I yeah. think that's where most people mess up is assuming that everything that they are is the way that the world is supposed to be. And maybe that's the idea mm-hmm. that's being sold. Yeah, right. for sure. Um, have you noticed a difference in because of like the differences in uh, sexuality and uh, monogamy, polyamory. Ah. Yeah, polyamory. I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm having such a hard time (laughs) with these. Um, Have you noticed a difference between different types of sexualities and, you know, different types of uh, how people identify um, as Mm -hmm. far as how they get better at communication and what their boundary types are and um, you know, how they accept themselves and accept other people. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, from my experience, I feel like more queer individuals are more open with being open and being polyamorous. Uh, I think because, you know, we've already been outsiders pretty much our whole lives. That makes sense. So it's yeah. like, why don't we break another taboo in society and be in an open relationship and be in a polyamorous relationship? <laughs> it's like, I mean, by <laughs> us being queer, we are by default outside of the default. We're already shunned mm-hmm. from society. <laughs> so it's like, why not break some more societal constructs? Yeah. <laughs> okay, why not? Yeah. That's what I've noticed. They're more open about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing that I seem to have noticed, um, because if somebody, if, if nobody out there really knows, I'm basically the white privileged male, <laughs> American male. Um, <laughs> um, so I think when you, you only have one idea, you become very constrictive because once I started learning yes. about, uh, different mindsets, different spiritualities, um, something that is beyond the American culture, something that is beyond, uh, religion, something that is beyond, um, anything that is, is the one track mind that I was taught to be. 
that not only did my mind open more, like with it came the empathy. Mm-hmm. With that came the empathy. And so it almost seems like what you're saying is like, because people had to deal with this challenge of being something different. Now they're, they're seeing a different perspective. They're, they're more, they're multidimensional. They're, they're seeing things for something that is actually more reality than, than social construct almost. Mm-hmm. They're seeing the color. They're seeing the, the black and white. 360 right there. There's right. the color. <laughs> There's the color. Literally the rainbow. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really like this idea of, of you know, s- saying that sex heals the world. Um, because I myself, I know yes. I've noticed those spots <laughs> where it's it's like when the clothes come off, it's I turn into a mute most of the time. You know, you, you try, but it's like, you know, once you get in that super intimate position, then the most vulnerable when you're the most vulnerable in like every way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's really hard to communicate. Have you found that a lot with your education too? Yes. Yes. Uh, a lot of sharing your emotions, you become very, very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You're emotionally naked. Here are my feelings. Here's my, here are my thoughts. Um, when you're naked naked (laughs) you're vulnerable as well Mm -hmm. it's you're literally in probably the most vulnerable position you can put yourself in naked in front of someone else yeah you know and then there's for some people there's a lot of shame and guilt you know body shame also some other fucking bullshit societal diet culture gym culture constructs Mm -hmm. you know know (laughs) that's a whole that's a whole nother talk (laughs) (laughs) But body shame, performance shame, and what can help cure these is just some education about how your fucking body works. Mm-hmm. You know, education about what your what your body's going through in the moment. Um, you know, education about what to do in the moment, what not mm-hmm. to do in the moment, what to say. You know, and it is a very scary place for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. To, to be in that and so they either like mask their emotions or they portray themselves as something else yeah well especially as as men too a lot of men think that they're supposed to know how to do this already mm-hmm. they're, they're just expected to know because I, I think it's because of that pedestal of you know men being totally. you know badass because they've had so many partners they must know how to do sex and then on the oh, other yeah. side of that, women are, you know, faking things to make men feel good about their performance. You know, it, mm-hmm. it exacerbates the problem. Um, exactly. And I read from my own personal gain, I read a book um, called, ooh, I forget the name of it now. Hold on. It is right here somewhere. <laughs> oh, she comes first. Mm, gotcha. mind-blowing yeah. book mind-blowing book yep. um mm. and you know one of the biggest things that it was talking about was um how men or women feel this shame for not being able to orgasm mm-hmm. right and then it, it talked about how you know the the female orgasm tends to happen and it has a lot less to do with penetration than we think it does. Mm -hmm. And it's like those little facts that if we would have known, or if we did know, maybe that would change how we see performance as men. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. maybe, maybe we would, we would actually be more empathetic to the, to the, to the female body and the way that, that she needs, uh, you, you know, arousal and, and, and mm-hmm. a stimulation and, and all of that stuff, because that book was like, more or less, the book was like, you need to slow the fuck down. You need mm-hmm. to not be so hard. <laughs> yep. Um, it's like about pound, hard. pound, pound. Exactly. And right. yes, I was a part of the group that, that fucking did that. I, I, I admit it. Like it's the mm-hmm. rabbit, the rabbit, just be a rabbit and like, she'll get off. She'll get off. Because, because yeah. who taught you that? Uh, the, I'm sure other men, I'm sure it's how you were socialized. It wasn't sex ed, right? Because you didn't have fucking sex. Ed. No, they don't teach you didn't any know any that shit. Yeah. What's that? What is that? Nobody knows yeah. that shit. It's bad. Yeah, they don't teach but, you about, about about patience and clitoral stimulation and like yeah. So where does this lead people when they're unwilling or unable? I, I don't want to say unwilling, um, just because it's it's really fucking hard. But to cross mm-hmm. that boundary and communicate about about what you want. And I, I think uh, because of the lack of sex ed, a lot of you know penis owners out there think that it's all about penetration. And mm-hmm. this also goes back to to history too actually uh freud the infamous freud yes sigmund freud so he deemed in his studies that uh clitoral orgasms for women were quote unquote immature orgasms and that a true orgasm was only de- made uh could only be had through penetration oh you know but this was before job, like freud. the work of johnson <laughs> fucking damn it freud doing your <laughs> coked ass coked out i mean if it weren't for him the psych- psychology field wouldn't be what it is today so yeah, yeah. thank him for a little bit because some of his teachings were fucking bullshit but mm-hmm. this was before you know people did research in, in sex ed before like johnson johnson and like um and masters and johnson uh and all the big sex researchers that came into the field so he was saying that it, it was only through penetration that women were able to achieve true orgasm and a clitoral orgasm was immature. Before that, centuries mm-hmm. before that, you know, the clitoris was deemed the devil's teeth. And it was something that you weren't supposed to touch or look at. It's something you're oh. supposed to ignore. So for centuries, the clitoris was just forgotten about wasn't until 2013 when the first 3d model of the clitoris came out people thought it was just the nub but it's actually the nub is just the tip of the iceberg it's actually Mm -hmm. like a wishbone shape and i I sent you the photos so the penis and clitoris are made of homologous structures so homologous structures meaning they're literally the same kinds of tissues but they're just shaped differently i gotcha so so if, you know, you can just Google search this, this is the podcast so right now, just do a Google search on, you know, 3D image of a, of a clitoris. You'll see it's like a wishbone. It's got like two little wings. And then those little wings that go around the side are made of the same tissues as a penis. So homologous structures, right? Mm-hmm. And the tip of the penis, the glands of the penis is homologous to the glands of the clitoris. So I'm sure that, you know, for you, the head of your penis is a very sensitive area, just like the head of the clitoris is a very sensitive area, even more so because it's a smaller area. It has a lot more nerve endings, more, right? Yes. It's more densely compact, more concentrated. So don't 
fucking rub it like a goddamn <laughs> DJ record. Fucking hell <laughs> with your dry ass hand. Don't fucking do that. That shit hurts. God. You, okay, everybody, like, we're getting have you raw. Ever put, <laughs> you ever put sandpaper? Right, literally. Like, have you ever rubbed sandpaper on your dick? Like, I have not. <laughs> I, I have to say, I have not. What it feels like. <laughs> so please, at least wet your finger. <laughs> Sensitive. Jeez. Anyways, back to homologous structures. <laughs> the glands of the penis is homologous to the glands of the clitoris, and so the the shaft of the penis is homologous to you know, the wings of the clitoris. Right. And so the wings kind of wrap around the vaginal opening. And so penetration, if there's you know, something being inserted into the vagina, it's kind of homologous to if someone was just stroking the shaft of your penis. Mm-hmm. Are you going to come from that? From someone going, the shaft of your penis? No, exactly. Nope. Gotta be That's why only... 20% of women can orgasm from penetration alone. So See, <laughs> these are the fucking facts that would have saved it or would have created so many more, you know, so many more balanced interactions. <laughs> right. Right. What, what, right. What happens if you just pound, 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 it's just like stroking the very base of your penis super fast. You're forgetting you're forgetting the entire rest of the shaft of the penis. You're mm-hmm. forgetting the head of the penis, which I'm sure to you and other penis owners out there is probably one of the most important, right? Yeah. So and, and, penetration, and there's... Go ahead. Yeah, the penetration. And there's also, you know, the legs, the wings of the clitoris mm-hmm. homologous to the shaft of the penis. You've got to play around with that whole area too. Mm-hmm. And that's why most women need um, clitoral stimulation. Mm-hmm. sometimes that's all it takes you can achieve different orgasms if you do vaginal penetration and clitoral simulation but so you know. so basically what we're saying is women if you want to even the odds don't touch the head of the penis just do the shaft and he'll he won't <laughs> yeah. orgasm and then it'll be even playing field <laughs> okay no yeah like no, like right literally don't do that literally um but <laughs> but you know it, it there is that miscommunication there's that mm-hmm. sexual miscommunication because there's the guy's point of view is he's like, she's not even getting close to it. And this is not, this is not going to work, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But there's that lack of communication and, and the lack of facts, the lack of biology or, you know, the lack of uh, the sex knowledge ed. of that biology. Yeah. Se- sex education. Um, and y- you know, what's like, it's when you when well when I think about all my own experiences, very very rarely, very rarely was it ever from penetration. It was it was almost mm-hmm. always from clitoral stimulation. Luckily, I kind of oh I wonder why you know learned that a, a little bit earlier than <laughs> you know maybe some other guys have. But um, mm-hmm. this it, it, there's this there's this barrier, there's this barrier, and the the crappy thing is that because of whatever social construct there is about women, you know, not, not speaking up, you know, men may not speak up because it is, you know, can be a vulnerable situation, but mostly it seems like women are, are just, you know, expected to, to, to be right. Mm -hmm. Um, which is the most fucked up thing. So yes, in, in, 
in my curiosity, um, if we get to a point where there's, where there's, I don't want to say more acceptance because that seems suppressive, but if we get to a point where women's voices are more equal, where women feel more confident in, in their communication and what they desire and, you know, are, are, have the fortitude, I guess, to speak their mind. What do you see happening, you know, in, in creating that, that balance, I guess, like w- women's voices, because we have this, we have this thing right now where, you know, the, it's, you know, the feminist movement, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that, you know, extreme feminists may more or less just hate men, <laughs> but you know, there, there's importance in the feminist for movement, good think- reason. Well, a lot of us have been. Through I mean, a lot I don't want to be hated, <laughs> but yeah. no. But there's, there's. Well, a, tell there's your dudes huge... to step it up. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, or, that with or, all the respect. Or tell step down. Fucking step it up. Yep, you're right. Or okay, step down. Touche. That's a good one. Um, step down. But listen. W- Oh yeah, we need really need to work on the listening part. So do you see the women's voices? I guess what comes to the table when women's voices get louder, when they get more prominent, when they when they get more uh valued, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, first reaction is usually men defending them and (laughs) combating against us. So the louder a lot of women get, the louder also men get. Uh, this is from you know my experience too. Um, even just recently, I know we had this conversation a few weeks ago when we were supposed to schedule a, our our chat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was it was after you know the shooting in Georgia, uh, shooting up that Asian spa, and mm-hmm. you know I was actively fighting for it, putting up these posts and resources and being like, what the fuck? Like, we just need white people to step up, please. Mm-hmm. Because the more, the more we scream and shout, the more shit we're faced with. We're not trying to make, we're not trying to say you are less than us. We're just trying to get our fucking voices heard. We're just literally trying to be like, can you please stop killing us? Mm-hmm. but I we had this conversation and I couldn't I couldn't talk that way because I was just so fucking angry you know at the flood of men I had more hate mail in my inbox than I did words of support and like words of support that I thought I would receive from friends you know I had a lot of people of color uh friends who reached out to me a lot of Asian friends we were all reaching out to each other silence from our white friends um, and a lot of the messages in my inbox, Maria, what the fuck? Stop being a victim. Like there's no such thing as racism against Asians. Um, this is not a race issue, blah, 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 blah. Like you need to stop talking about this. Like you need to stop playing victim. Like you need to just let this go. There's no such thing as reverse racism. Like you just need to chill the fuck out you're being racist yourself by calling out white people. And it was a bunch of men, a bunch of white men were coming out and like attack, attack, attack. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And going back to your question, you know, when, when women start to be more voiceful about this, we face the same thing from a lot of men. Mm -hmm. You're a fucking slut for talking about sex openly. You should learn your place. I've gotten these messages too as a sex Mm -hmm. educator. I I expect that. I didn't expect 
all the racism I got from a few weeks ago. As a sex educator, I expect the creepy DMs from men, which by the way, I fucking save all of them. And when maybe one day I'll make a coffee table book with all the creepy ass DMs again. <laughs> you should totally do it. Show me boobs now, like send boobs. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> okay, relax. It's either that or like hate mail. But the more voiceful we are, the more opposition we get from a lot of men. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. That can prevent a lot of women from speaking up because we've gone through a lot of trauma with men mm-hmm. before. Um, taken me a year to <laughs> deal with that shit with my own therapist. And then all the racist shit happened. And I was like, Samantha, shout out to Samantha, my therapist. Thank you for getting me through the last year. <laughs> Therapy is cool. You, Everyone should do it. Thank you, Samantha. Um, all the work I've done about dealing with men has gone out the fucking door with all this racist shit that I just got. The louder uh, us women are in this sex positive space, the more hate we get. And mm-hmm. that's hard. So what we fucking need is for like what you said, for men to step down, to take a chill pill and just literally listen because we're not trying to say we're better than all of you. Mm-hmm. We're trying to say we've been through so much shit and we're kind of hurting and, you know, we're not getting as many orgasms as all of you guys. <laughs> Orgasm True. gap. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it is a real thing. Um, just listen. Just listen. And I know you're talking about the feminist movement. We're not liberated. <laughs> Nowhere mm-hmm. close to equality because there's still so much still a long ways to go. Uh, and I think a lot of the fight doesn't, I think it's unfair to say it's, it just has to be on the woman speaking mm-hmm. up. A lot of it has to also do with men listening and men actually actively fighting for us, not just saying they're a feminist to get in some of our pants. Because mm-hmm. we can fucking smell that shit from a mile away. Oh yes, I've <laughs> I've mentioned this before. the The, the male attempt at trickery uh, is not as effective as a lot of guys think it is, because women mm-hmm. have spent their lives, you know, uh, relaying emotions to their friends, and you know that they've had more chance to to process it and understand it. And when you come from the stereotypical male mind that um objectifies most of their world rather than you know uh than knows its depths um Mm -hmm. how can you expect that you're going to be able to pull anything over somebody that knows emotions better than you do i guess you know Mm -hmm. vibe check right yeah for sure and i think you know to go back to your um your your thought on stepping down i think that what ha- is happening in my opinion is that because of whatever level men are on right now it 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 may be um the considered the norm so if they are asked to listen more then they're being asked to give up something exactly rather than see it as like exactly. a, a, an equalization of the situation so you uh-huh. know and i think men are then afraid that they're going to be trampled on because of it and i think because of the way the male mind can work sometimes when it comes to uh, hierarchy and it comes to the win versus lose you know battle battle and war that 
they're losing the battle and that that means that they're eventually going to lose the war when it really is about the equality, mm-hmm. right? And I ask a lot of my male friends, do you want access to more and better sex? Mm-hmm. Yes. Then fucking listen. <laughs> yeah. Fucking listen. I always bring up the bonobo example. I, I love this in my um, physical anthro studies as, as an undergrad. I study a lot of bonobo and gorilla life and their penis size compared and in correlation with their society, how their societies are run. Uh-huh. So gorillas big and huge the males are usually twice the size of the females um they usually fight to the death if they stumble across another male but then they get access to their territory of females but because one male has access to all these females they fight to the death having a huge dick is just going to get in the way of a big fight uh so gorillas twice as large very heavy very big Mm -hmm. and bulky small little peepees small testicles (laughs) small penis, small testicles, bonobos, uh, fairly similar in what's called sexual dimorphism. So Mm -hmm. the males are, are more similar in size to the females. It's actually Mm -hmm. a matriarchal society. It's a head female, um, bonobo in charge, super peaceful society. Everyone has sex with everyone. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, the males can have sex with other males. They can have sex with other females multiple partners the sex is just there mm-hmm. it's free it's open it's peaceful if someone steps out of the line they are shunned from society and they are like thrown out right so everyone just lives in peace penis size they have the, the biggest penis sizes compared to their bodies and mm. testicles <laughs> so i always share that with my male friends it's like okay do you want more access to sex and better sex with women. That, that's, I feel like that's how you get them. <laughs> Learn to listen. Damn it. Learn to listen. It's not that hard. Look at the animal kingdom. You want to be a fucking gorilla? Go ahead and be a gorilla. <laughs> like, you want to be a bonobo, though? They're all happy. They're all cool. They're mm-hmm. peaceful. They're chill. They have fun. They have a lot of sex. Larger penis sizes because there's more like, intrauterine competition for the sperm and like the penis size. there's another there's another okay. to that yeah yeah it's they're they're like mushroom shaped to siphon the other semen out from other males anyways man people are gonna love hearing all this <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm full of a bunch of random ass shit so i told you i went down the rabbit hole when i first started looking into sex ed and i went. no i i told i totally agree with that um, I mean, I mean, ultimately, Maria, it, it seems like what we're coming down to is there's almost this revolving idea that the the more accepting we are and the more empathetic we are, the better things get. Right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Our communication, right? our sex, obviously, you know, that sounds of it. Uh, um, right. Thank you. Thank you for understanding. I, well. I mean, I have epiphanies every once in a while. Um, but I mean, does that seem like kind of the the encompassing? That's, feel, that's where I feel our, our talk has guided us the most is uh, there's this idea of, of open-mindedness that, that almost creates wisdom and it creates connection experience that mm-hmm. 
can't be done from a single dimension lifestyle or mindset. No, no black and white. Absolutely not. Huh. From that black and white mindset. No, being open-minded and like opening yourself up to all the other colors. Just like you said, it's, that's it. That's, that's, that's the answer right there. Well, you know, the, the sexuality part of it is, is super intriguing. And I think it's one of those things that if we were able to, if we were able to communicate in that type of vulnerability, if that, in, mm -hmm. in that type of intimacy, what stops us from the rest of our world, right? Mm -hmm. I, th I, I think this is my connection with your idea that, that sex can, uh, can save us, I guess, almost. Right. Um, mm -hmm. am I wrong or no, no. Okay. okay the good. more orgasms, the happier people <laughs> usually are. Why are bonobos so peaceful? Cause they're having sex all the time. That's how they settle disputes. That's how that's oh what they God. do when they're bored. <laughs> they oh my God. That's why they're See? so peaceful. Two consenting adults. That want to have sex all the time. Right. World peace. Two or more. Sometimes more. Two or more. Yeah. Yeah. So in the large scheme of things, I think we've covered a lot. We have. We've covered a lot today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there anything that we're missing? Mm. Let's see. Besides my whiskey. I checked my... Cheers. Cheers to you. Cheers. Oh God, there's so many corners. So many corners. <laughs> yeah. But, it's like a room with endless corners. <laughs> what uh but but what creates the most progress is a fucking talking conversation mm -hmm. about real things. Yeah. And that you know can I mean? be done with with education, which is mm -hmm. knowing things. Education is empowering, knowledge is power. And I, I say this a lot in my, I said this a lot in my sex ed class mm -hmm. uh, that I taught a little while ago that I'll be offering up again in a couple months. Um, knowledge is power. There's a lot we don't know. Question how, <laughs> question why about everything, mm -hmm. especially sex ed and emotions, communication. Why aren't they telling us about sex ed? Why is the sex ed that's taught so limited? How mm -hmm. did we get to this? You know, and the more I dived deeper into the rabbit hole of sex ed and history and animal studies, I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Yeah. Nobody knows any of this. Mm -hmm. But why? Why is to keep the patriarchal powers in place? It's because when you learn about these stories, when you learn about how the clitoris was called the devil's tea and it was completely dismissed until fucking 2013. Mm -hmm. Jesus, that's what? seven, eight years ago, mm -hmm. <laughs> the hell? <laughs> uh, it's like, what, why are they trying to keep this from us? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we get to where we are today where a lot of us are unhappy with the power structures at play? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I went off on a rant. I, I totally forgot my point. That happens sometimes. Uh, okay. But <laughs> sex ed can help with communication with, helping us deal with our emotions, especially in these extremely vulnerable places, like mm -hmm. being naked in front of each of someone, <laughs> you know, 
sex ed is important. The more we learn, the more we can talk, the more open-minded we can get, the more empathy we can express towards others and towards Mm -hmm. ourselves too. The more we can learn, the more we can explore, the more we can move away from just the black and white and into the colors of the rainbow. Yeah. So So if you had some, some recommendations for other people, books, influencers, so on, what would you point people towards as far as, you know, getting this education and getting this, this knowledge built, you know, built Mm -hmm. in. Follow people of color, sex workers and sex educators on Instagram. Uh, All the big sex educators out there, a lot of them are white women and they Mm -hmm. do great work, but they're not representative of everything that's out there. A lot of them are straight white women. Um, follow people of color uh, because we are often left out of the algorithm, Mm -hmm. the Instagram algorithm, and we are often targeted um, and have our our pages taken out. I've been through like four or five different pages and I fucking like, sometimes I'm so scared to post something, even if it's just educational, Mm -hmm. because then I'll get a notification. This is inappropriate. You said the word sex. Like, God damn it. What the fuck? Follow people of color educators, follow queer individuals, follow people outside of the norm, outside of the default, because you'll, you'll see they have so much to say. There's so much color in, in how they, they give you their education and their content. And I think it's beautiful because you get all these different perspectives and you get to see a little bit of what goes on through their own stories, Mm -hmm. you know? You're not just uh, consuming a particular default because that could keep you in the default. So expand your horizons, follow people of color, follow educators, follow sex workers. Like diversify your input. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then, I mean, shameless plug, but (laughs) I am (laughs) going to teach a sex ed course in about a couple months it's the sex ed that you didn't get in school Mm -hmm. and in my last sex ed class I had educators had people of color had a an award-winning porn star to teach you about what happens in Mm. real sex versus porn sex you know you don't just dive into a an anal scene they've been prepping for a week for that (laughs) for that quote unquote surprise anal scene Mm-hmm. in the porno but no they've been they've been watching their diet for a whole week they've been douching for the last 24 hours <laughs> so there's a lot um and there's sex educators on there as well we talk about like kink talk about bdsm trauma and relationships the body of course mm-hmm. um terminology how to be more include more inclusive um and you know it's fun all the sex stuff all the history that we go through as well well, I've like, we've covered so much stuff and I definitely have a lot more to learn, which is inspiring to me because mm-hmm. it seems like the more, the more we know, the more we realize what we don't know almost. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. The more, the, who said that quote was it Dr. Seuss? I don't know. I don't remember. The it's more we been... grow, the less we know. Ooh, that's a good one. I think I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was Dr. Seuss. I don't know why I'm thinking of Dr. Seuss. I still like Maybe it could Dr. be. I don't know. I don't know. 
the more we grow, the less we know. I agree with that completely. Um, yeah. All right, Maria. So where are the best places for people to find you? Well, you can find me on Instagram at underscore sex and squats, or you can just type my name on Facebook, Maria two straps, T W O dash straps, plural. So yeah, but Instagram probably might be best. So at underscore sex and squats. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. Okay. guys. So we've gone through all of this stuff. Thank you for the sex stuff, by the way, because it seems to anytime. uh, Yeah. Like we (laughs) really needed to open up, open up some minds here, but this has been, um, a, a awesome interaction that I've had with Maria. Thank you, Maria, very much. Um, Thank and you very much. <laughs> I hope you guys can can look to to this person and 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 open up the way that you see things, because there's so much out there besides the one track mind and the single dimension way of we way that we do things, and it's exactly these reasons why I built this podcast around around questioning everything. Because as Maria and I stated, the more we tend to open up our minds to the knowledge, the more we realize that we don't know, the more we realize that we have to, there's a lot to accept. There's a lot of diversity. There's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of, and there's a lot of imagination that still hasn't been tapped into. And us as people can come together. It seems like when we, when we do learn more, when we do push those boundaries, when we do communicate more, when we do silence ourselves in order to listen to somebody else more. Right. So as we begin to grow, I hope that everybody has this idea of empathy more than anything, because this position of uh, understanding other people more, especially, you know, people of color, people of different sexualities, um, any any sort of realm outside of your own, the farther we're going to get as a community, as a global community altogether, really. Right. So into that. (laughs) Maria thank you so much for being on thank you I appreciate it and I hope everyone there learns to I mean can practice maybe even this week maybe even today to just maybe take one or two steps out of the box and try to explore something new go fuck yourself in the most respectful way possible learn about your body (laughs) okay and with that I say thank you go fuck yourself go enjoy go fuck yourself and enjoy the hell out of it (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, Thank you for being here on the RMP again. Stay strong and stay real-minded. I'm your host, Zach. Out. Here we are again at the end. I'm starting to tear up a little bit. And I just want you to know that I'm going to miss you. And I appreciate you. And I love you. And I hope that whatever you're after, you keep fighting for it. Your experience is uniquely your own. And so that means so are the challenges that you face. Stay strong and don't let anyone diminish who you are or what you dream of being. As your friend and fellow flawed human, stay rebel-minded, my friends. Until next time.